name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the second week that we do the prayer, or the gospel about the, um, the sower, going out to sow. And so as we said last year, um, the reason why, the, why we have it twice in a row is that the church season in Egypt goes by the, the seasons of Egypt, which obviously don't always match here, because we're in, in fall here. But in Egypt, this would be the time where after they brought in the harvest, right? Nairuz is all about the harvest, is bringing in the fruits, right? And then after they've tilled their fields, they throw their seeds out again to start planting and preparing for the next year, right? So that's why the church wanted to use the lives of the people to start um, meditating on their own lives. So this week I wanted us to meditate a little bit more on the seeds that fell among thorns and that the thorns grew up and choked them. Because I would argue that all Christians start off as good soil, right? Everyone who's baptized. Because whoever is being baptized, right, is somebody that has had all of their sins absolved, right? And then the seed has been sown and they have a fresh start, right? Regardless of whether it was an infant like today or an adult like Mary or others, right, is that everybody was given a fresh start from the very beginning. And so the commandment in baptism is for us to watch our baptismal grace, right? The commandment that we'll, we'll read aloud after is that the parents or the person who's being baptized or the godparent is charged with saying, don't go places where you shouldn't go. Don't allow people to partake in things that they shouldn't, right? Read the Bible and pray with your kids. Fast. Right? All of these things are in the actual commandment, saying to be very, very careful of the different things that can come that will creep up so that this grace that we've received is not lost. And in the early church, you'll find that the language that's used is always a language of asking the people to preserve their baptismal grace. Right? And that when we, when we talk about repentance and confession, it's about returning to that state of grace that we received in our baptism. So I just want to talk... Briefly, there's many points, but just shortly on each of what are things that we often do that make the vines start to choke, right? Because it says that the vines grow, is the language that they said, right? Is that they weren't, it wasn't thrown into a jungle, right? It was thrown onto soil, and that these vines grow with the seed and choke it, right? So what are these things? So, in no particular order, one of these things is lack of guidance or lack of confession, right? Let them alone, they are blind guides, said our Lord before. And if a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. So sometimes the vines are growing and, and choking the seed because we're not getting any guidance. We think that we're born gardeners, right? We think that we're just immediately have this knowledge. I know what I'm doing. I know how to plant the seed. I know what it's supposed to look like. I know what I'm supposed to do but you don't. I recently got a citrus tree and I thought it was very simple that all you do is put the water in and it grows and it's dead now. Um, and, and why? I have no idea yet. I, I need to ask someone to find out what I did wrong, right? But it's not always as simple as we think, right? It's not as simple as, as plug and play. So having somebody who's been successful at it, right? Somebody who knows what they're doing is important to tell us how do I prevent these vines from growing and also what do I do to grow the seed, both. I'm not just always on the defensive, 
but always there's a, a development of the positive. How can I make it grow? The other reason why confession and guidance is important is because if we don't have an accountability to others, then we might think we're doing just fine when really the vines are growing and we don't even realize it. Right? I remember as a, as a kid, our neighbor hated my family because we never mowed our lawn. Right? We thought that everything we were doing was fine. We would leave the weeds and say, you know what, we're going like, to just have one day where we take out like, all, all of the weeds. And so obviously what ends up happening is that the weeds take over the whole front yard. A and B is that the indignation and anger of our neighbor was enough to force us to, to deal with the issue. Sometimes it's important for us to be exposed right, in front of others because we feel the need, we feel the necessity of actually struggling, right? We've become, become aware that we're not as clean as we, as we think we are because when you're exposed in front of someone else, they might point out that you're, you're not as selfless as you think you are. Maybe you're a little bit selfish, right? Maybe you're less impatient than you think you are. Maybe something in your mind that you've been punishing someone for was really you being judgmental the whole time, right? But when it's something is exposed, Right then, you have the ability for someone else to take a look from afar and give a better assessment than often we're able to give to ourselves. Because sometimes we're more harsh on ourselves than we need to be, and sometimes we're way too passive about ourselves than we should be. Both extremes aren't good for our garden. Right, both of them need um, a discerning person. Another thing is the lack of prayer. Right, is a is a means for why vines can grow. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you, says Jeremiah, but he's speaking for the Lord, right? If there is no prayer, then you have no communication, right? So you're, you're cut off from the source of growth, right? That if this is the person who's supposed to grow you in the right way, and if this is the person that can save you from the weeds and the vines and these things that come up and choke, then having no communication isn't going to help you, right? It's going to cut you off from the source. Um, it also means you're going to go cold because you're distant, right? The longer you spend not talking to somebody, the easier it is to just not talk to that person, right? Because you become much colder. And so even trying to get back into it doesn't always come back very naturally, right? It can for a bit. Sometimes it doesn't. But when we get used to it, it becomes very easy to just not have that person in your life. Same thing is true of our God. It's a very real relationship, right? And so if we're not talking to Him regularly, then we grow cold. If you try and talk to someone for only 10 minutes per day, rather than actively, how will you have a relationship, right? And so you get, we lose that source of grace. So the remedy for this is easy, having a prayer rule, right? Active prayer throughout the day, not just these 10 minutes per day, right? But talking to Him throughout the day, involving Him in your thoughts, involving Him in your decisions, practicing the presence of God, right? Because if you practice the presence of God, right, by talking to Him throughout the day, realizing that He's always present, you'll realize that not just a spiritual father is going to be the one seeing your field, but more importantly, the God who gave you the seed and the fields, right, is watching and seeing, Right? And by having a dialogue with him who is very present, he will also expose to you what to do, and joyously, right? not angrily, but joyously. He'll say, oh no, this is why it's not growing. Right? When you have this, this exposure to the light, right, then you become aware of what you're doing in the dark. 
coupled with this is lack of reading the Bible, which is extremely common among Christians, right? We, I think sometimes critics of Christianity often read the Bible more than, than the Christians themselves, right? As for you, this is St. Paul giving advice, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for proof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Right? This is what St. Paul is advising this new bishop. Right? Is saying, your, your key, your tool is scripture. Right? You, you need this. Right? This is how you're going to be able to admonish, to reprove. This is how you're going to be able to assess. Right? If you don't have a manual... Right then, on what standard are you going to start doing your work? Right, any person who's starting a new job needs a training, right? Whether it's a manual or a tutor or something, someone has to teach them, right? And so we need the scripture to be able to know how to take care of this garden, right? If I don't know the steps to do it, I'm going to need to ask. So we can ask guides, but we also have been given a manual, right? That that can tell you. Well, here are the things that you need in order to do it. Here are the types of soil. That little label that you get when you buy a plant that says the pH, that tells you the temperature, that tells all of that. We have these things in the scriptures. But if we don't read, you won't hear back from God. right? And you also won't know what you're supposed to do. Because you're, you're talking about someone or something that you don't know much about. right? If I were to to have to randomly give some talk about any previous American president. I don't know anything about them, right? So on what basis am I, am I going to deliver a, a speech, right? If I need to, to, to give somebody medical therapy and I've never been trained, right, then I might harm the person. So we as Christians have our lab book. We have our manual. We have something that gives us the instruction that unfortunately too often we ignore, right, or that we neglect, so we won't hear back from God and we won't know who he is. And what that will do for you is make you more frustrated when the reality doesn't match your expectation, right? So you're, you're working hard in your garden and you're not getting the fruits that you want, right? And, it's because, and that's going to upset you. That's not going to make you relaxed, right? It's going to make you more frustrated and say, I don't even know if this is worth it. I tried this, I tried that, right? But, the, but I've been trying it ignorantly. I've been trying it without knowledge. So we need it for to not be frustrated. And we need it because often one of the reasons why the vines choke us is because we'll say, oh, I don't even know God's will. can't even see what he's doing. So maybe this is pointless. But often you don't know God's will because you've never done it. Right? You haven't done God's will in the small so if you haven't done it in the small, how do you expect to suddenly see it in the big, right? If, if the way that you live has nothing to do with God's will, why do you think that you'll magically hear God's will? You won't. You don't even know how to recognize it, right? That's why God said, my sheep hear my voice and they know me, right? They know me because they actually know what I sound like. They actually know what I say. They actually know my personality. They actually know the things that come from me and the things that don't. So if you don't build this, you won't recognize him. You won't hear his voice, which will also cause you to either despair or be frustrated or to walk away. Right? These are the things that matter. So it's important for us to be plugged in. Otherwise, 
we will just leave it to the weeds, right? We will leave it to the vines and just say, you know, I don't care, right? I don't think it's even there's even a point to growing these seeds. Every time I've tried, it hasn't worked. I don't know why he asked me to. It's a futile job, right? But if we're not doing this, that will will be. Third is lack of active virtue, right? St. Paul says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things, right? If we don't have active virtue, it means that we're not taking care of our spiritual body, right? So it basically be like somebody who wants only the rain to water the fields, no matter what. Even if there's a drought, saying, well, the life of my plant is going to be dependent only on whether it rains, right? So basically, those who will say, you know what? Only grace, I will do no work with this. But that's not sufficient, right? Is that I have been given something, right? I have a hose, right? I can water the plants. I don't have to wait for the drought to pass to water, right? If I have access to water. Active virtue means that you are actively taking care of your body. It means your spiritual body. You're actively fighting against what is wrong. That you're, you're going out there and not waiting for some magical person to come and remove the, the weeds. You're going out and actively taking them out by your hand, right? This activity shows your love for the thing, right? It shows that you care about this and that you want it to grow. And it means that good feelings of virtue won't be foreign to you, right? So you will know what a healthy yard looks like. You will know what it looks like for the seed to grow, right? A person who has never actively done it might not know. They might even recognize what does a proper yard look like. They might think that the weeds are, are, are beautiful, not realizing that they're killing the life of the plants. Um, think of any good community that you've had in your life. Think about any community where you were very joyous and happy and where you felt love and fellowship, right? Where you felt something very positive. Think about any of those and see if anyone misses the exact same thing. Ask people if they miss that. And the person will only miss that if they've experienced that, right? If they haven't experienced it, it means absolutely nothing to them, right? This is what it's like for those who have not lived active virtue. If a person has never felt what it's like to do good in the name of Christ, to feel the joy of being forgiving, to feel the joy of being patient, for feeling the joy of giving to other people, for being having the joy of, of turning the other cheek. And you won't miss it, right? You won't miss it because you haven't experienced it, right? But we need to do those things in order to do it. And coupled with this, like what is that that can allow the, grow to, the vines to grow is a lack of purposeful behavior, right? Not of randomness, right? If we as, as vineyard keepers, as we that are keeping a garden, think that randomness is going to take care of our garden, it won't, right? It, it's not going to do anything. If you do everything randomly, you're never going to see proper fruits. You might by accident find one here and there, um, but it might also be in the wrong place, right? Or it might taste bad because it, was, it wasn't nurtured the right way. Living randomly means that nothing has meaning. 
So if I don't realize that there is a, a specific system that I need to do, and if I don't understand what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, I'm not going to be as successful, right, in preventing the vines from choking the word. And I'm not going to be as successful even at the positive work of growing the fruit because I'm being random, right? Imagine if you were to go, like, to a doctor and they just say, I heard drugs are really good, that they keep you healthy, so here's a prescription for just 30 drugs, just randomly. These are 30 good ones. They've been moving a lot, right? A lot of people have been using these, right? But where is the growth going to be? In fact, now I might get sick, right? Because now I might take something that actually isn't good for me, that isn't helping me. It's going to cause an imbalance in my body, and it's going to do something wrong. Nobody would trust a physician who doesn't even open the book and just says, these are the top 30 drugs. Here, you can have these. So we have to do the same thing, right, with our vineyard, is that we need to be purposeful about what we do. Even when you pray, you don't just say, I heard prayer is good. Okay, that's good. It's a good start. Why do I pray? Right? What is prayer for? Why do I read the Bible? What am I doing with reading the Bible? Why is virtue important? Why am I being asked to behave in this way? Because as I start to learn the science of spirituality, okay, of what it, what it means to be a spiritual person, now I can grow. Right now I'm actually going to be aware of when something toxic is coming towards me. Now I'm going to know whether a vine is a danger or not a danger. Then I'm going to be able to recognize that there's a root going under the ground that, that might not have been something I noticed before, but now I do because I've acquired the knowledge. So purposeful existence creates a natural limitation to wrong. Right? It allows me to have a, a sense of what's right or wrong. If I know why I'm doing something, then I also know why I can't do something else. Right? The two will naturally flow from each other. The next is a lack of sacramental life. Right? A lack of receiving the fertilizer that we need to grow. Right? If I don't have a sacramental life, unless you eat my body, said our Lord, you have no life in you, period, right? It wasn't a suggestion, right? If I don't have sacramental life, I don't grow. And malnourishment produces death, right? So understand your need for sacramental life if you want your vineyard, if you want the seed to flourish. Because if you think that they're independent lives, then you'll run into problems, the next one is a very, one of the most common one, which is three things coupled together, or trapped together, lack of communal life, self-indulgence, and laziness. Those three. It starts off by you living in your own world, right? This is a lack of communal life. And this is the society that is the society of, our, of, of the young kids today, right? It's, it's shifted even from my own life towards now, and... Already my generation was accused of, of this, but I see it even more as they go, which is the invention of the, of the garage door opener, right? Is that people used to get out of their car to open up their garage, they'd wave to their neighbor, they'd say hello, there'd be some kind of conversation, right? Now we've got a button, I don't need to see a single human being, I'll go into my house, I don't need to see you, 
right? In fact, now you can even order your groceries so that you don't have to go walk through like the, the, the alleys. You can just go and pick up your groceries. What is this? It's me living in my own worlds. And so the consequence is that you only give yourself what you want, right? That it's, it's about your self-indulgence. You don't get into the habit of giving to anyone unless it's convenient, right? Only if it matches what I already want to do. Then I might be willing to give to somebody else. So you become selfish. Selfish not just with your, your time, but with your energy, with your thoughts, with everything that you possess, right? And so you don't get in the habit of having to care about something else. You're not going to care about nurturing the seed because you'd rather sleep, right? You're not going to care about pulling up the vines because you'd rather rest, you're not going to want to exert physical labor because you're used to doing no work. And so the concept of having to take care of a vineyard will be repulsive to you because the concept of work is foreign to you. It's, it's not chosen to you. You won't get exposed to suffering and emotions, right, of other people, only yourselves, right? But you won't know what it's like for somebody else. You'll only know how you feel when you're upset, how you feel when you don't get what you want. And so you don't end up becoming a member of, of the community and you don't realize that you've developed habits in which creeps in the opposite of the gospel because the gospel is love and now I'm killing the seed of love through my selfishness, right? I'm doing it through my own um, self-love. Secularization. This is another aspect that makes us ignore the field. All things are supposed to be about God. Everything's supposed to be about the seed, right, that was planted. For in Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, right? But sometimes we're made prey by secularization through philosophy and empty deceit um, without realizing it. We sometimes think that as long as what I'm not listening to is wrong, then that's okay. And there's a little bit of merit to that. But if all that I put in is secular, right? If I only listen to songs, even if the, even if the song lyrics are okay, okay? If all I listen to is songs or podcasts, right? That have nothing to do with faith. If all I watch is TV shows and news and whatever is, is trending, even if they're not wrong, and if all I talk about at work is something secular, all that's coming in is completely bland at best and detrimental at worst. And so what ends up happening is I lose the knowledge, right? I lose that presence of God. I lose the sense of repentance. I lose everything because nothing good is going in. So nothing good is going in. Nothing good is going to come out, right? We, we have to watch... Our input. Our input is going to be defining what our output is going to be, right? Because what are the inputs affecting? Our thoughts. And what proceeds from the heart of man is based on his thoughts, right? So we have to become aware of that because one of the silent killers for us is the secularization, right? So we become like everybody else. So I might look around and see, oh, well, no one's really taking care of their garden. So why bother, right? Apparently we don't need to. We shifted the truth of what we're doing from being a divine one to becoming a popular vote, 
of saying, if everybody around me thinks that this is a good idea, then maybe I'll do it. Other than that, I'm not necessarily going to do it. Secularization is something that we need to. Two more. Ego. Okay. Ego is one of the biggest reasons for our garden getting totally destroyed. Okay. Is I know what I'm doing. I know my limits. I know, I know what this needs. I know what went wrong. I know how to fix it. That I, me, I know, I think, I feel, I decided, I want, right? This is intrinsically and purely ego, right? And if you have this, your garden is going to be in total disarray. It's going to completely be devastated. Self-knowledge is humility. It's to become aware of your weakness, right? Not in a self-hating way, not in a self-deprecating way, but of just being real that I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to do this. I do need help. I do need instruction. I do need support, right? Once I can do this, now it can grow. I know somebody who is who has made a, a manager at a young age, right? And so as a manager... He didn't consider himself like, oh, wow, they promoted me. It means that I must be good at what I'm doing, right? I must be, like, the real deal. Instead, he said, I have no idea why they chose me. Maybe it was out of need, <laughs> okay? And so he started calling all of the other local managers, right, of the other local stores and said, how do you do this? What is your way of dealing with this? What is it that you've done in order to establish this? What If you did it all over again, what would you do? What do you wish somebody would have warned you of, right? And so this manager, by doing that, was able to acquire very quickly the experience of all these other managers and not go through all the suffering and pain of insisting that he knows what he's doing, right? And able to have a system that was successful from the beginning. Will he make errors? Sure, right? But why? Why make errors that you don't need to, right? Why have to tear up your garden if it's not necessary? Why spend extra money on soil if you don't need to? And all for what? For ego. Because at the end of the day, you're going to find out that you are mistaken. You're going to find out that you don't know everything, right? Because none of us do, right? And so ego is one of the best ways for these vines to creep in and choke you. Beware of um, your ego. And the final one is actively sinning. Okay, we talked about things that creep in through negligence, things that happen by not exposing. But the final one is sin. And we, we don't take sin very seriously. Okay, that sin is a disease. We like to use the excuse of, I'm only human. Right, it's just, I'm human. And that's our, our response to everything. Once we, if we have to admit, for forced to admit, that we weren't, didn't do something right, we don't just call it a sin. Right, it's, can you blame me? Right, I'm, I'm just a human. I'm not perfect. Right, I, I needed to do this. But sin is death, right? Sin is disease. So if I actively am sinning, right? If I'm not fighting against sin, and in fact just surrendering myself to sin, don't be surprised when your garden dies, right? Because you're basically actively now in your garden throwing things that are bad for your plant, right? That you're just saying like, you know what? I'm going to throw my trash in the front yard. It's better, right? I'm going to make a bonfire in the corner with all sorts of toxic stuff, not realizing that's going to get into the soil, 
right? I'm actively doing something that kills the plant. Temptation is brought about by our own lusts, our own desires, coupled with our lack of self-control. This doesn't make us bad people, okay? But it's about saying that I need to know that about myself, right? Because then I, I will realize why I need to fight sin, is that I need to fight sin for the sake of health, not because of some self-loathing complex, right? Not because of, of some tyrant God, but because I don't want to get sick and die because it's miserable, to be sick and your plant is going to be this frail thing that never brings forth fruit and you'll hate it right you won't find it beautiful you'll find it gross right or you'll find it not worth your time actively sinning is doing this and sin blocks us from the source of goodness sin blocks us from seeing the sun god says it's from the old testament if my people who are called by my name right which is today us you're called christian you're called by christ's name if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, okay, to turn away from doing wrong, then I will hear. I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Okay, he's using the exact same analogy that he used in the New Testament of saying, call me, okay, get rid of all these things that are wrong and I have the ability to change your land, right? And that's the beauty of the promise is that all I have to do is seek his goodness genuinely. And God, at, with a single word, can free you from these vines that are choking you, right? Only if and only if I work with him, right? God will not heal my vineyard. God will not fix my plant if I don't work with him. So let us all examine ourselves and ask what am I doing that might be preventing the real growth of this vineyard? What am I doing that might be preventing me from maintaining the baptismal grace that I have received? What am I doing that's, that's making the weeds grow faster than I'd like? And then simply turn from it, right? That is what repentance is, and call in the name of the Lord that he may forgive us our sins and heal our land. To him be glory and honor and worship now and always. We want to thank you so much for listening to St. Basil's podcast. We hope that you have gained spiritually from our remarkable speakers, and we appreciate your support towards this podcast. St. Basil American Coptic Orthodox Church is looking to purchase a home, and we would love for you to be a part of our community. We are looking to raise funds towards this novel mission, Orthodoxy in an American Context within the San Diego area. You may donate online through our website, www.stbasil.net that's www.stbasil.net or click on the link below and it will take you to our donations page you may also mail in your contribution at the address located on our website we thank you for any contribution and may our lord jesus christ always bless your heart and home